Ayers on the Road, value-based parenting and life balance ideas from world-traveling family coaches. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello there, it's Richard and Linda Ayer on another edition of Ayers on the Road. And we're sitting here in our little kitchen doing this recording. One great thing about radio, Linda, is that you don't have to dress up. Yeah, luckily (laughs) we're not on. And it's a good thing today. I look better than you, I have to say. Oh, you think so? (laughs) (laughs) We're both just getting ready to go on a Saturday and... Sure better than TV, a lot less preparation in the appearance department, right? (laughs) Um, We have had a wild week. It's the end of our reunion and the last Poor listeners think our reunion's been ending for weeks. I know. The last family (laughs) Some of them won't go home. (laughs) I know. They want to stay forever. Well, it's such a beautiful place. We really have had a grand time. We're but, at Bear Lake, and, and we had, should we just go ahead and tell them, Linda? I guess so. We, I we, were, in, we, we were invaded last night. We've been, we were actually invaded. That's why we're getting, we're getting going a little slowly today. Guess what we were invaded by? Pack rats. Pack rats. We honestly, we live on the top of a little Mount Knoll hill and just completely surrounded by sagebrush and so on. And I guess we moved into their territory. No, no, no. Although we've, we've been, been here a, here a lot of years, They've, like 17 years. They're trying to move years. into our territory. The funny thing is, they, they this is the second time we've been invaded by pack rats. We, we built a log cabin one time years ago. And we're going to talk a little about that today as part of a sort of an effort to educate our kids on their pioneer ancestors and on on work, on on how to really work hard. We actually one year, many years ago, went up into the Blue Mountains of Oregon as a family, starting out in a teepee and and cut trees down and built a log cabin. It sounds crazy. How did we even do that? I wouldn't attempt that today. Uh, we, we must have been crazy in those early days. Oh, we were crazy. We did have 50 logs brought in. Remember that? Well, but they right. were just plain logs. We had to skin them. That's right. And then after that, we had to go find our own logs. And honestly, it, it was such a wild adventure. That was a lot of years ago. And now. don't don't worry. We'll tie this into today's topic, which is homeschooling and semi-homeschooling. In other words, not doing it all, but doing some of it. <laughs> right. And uh, before we get into that, though, honestly, this has been the craziest thing. Um, I I don't know how much detail. (laughs) Let's not do too much. Some people are really worried about pack rats like me. I'm less scared of them than you are. Yeah, I think they're cute. They're really big black (laughs) eyes and everything. You know, I just I hate to harm them. But, man, they have just taken over. We've just found these places that they're coming in. We found a place. There, there's several heat vents that come in to the house, and there's just a little space around them. They weren't caulked par- properly, and, and they're just, uh, they kept us awake most of the night with their little scampering around. We've got to get the exterminator today. But what I was going to say is it happened to us in Oregon, and that that was, we happened to build this cabin by by sheer bad luck, right on their ancestral home. <laughs> <laughs> I think so. Um, but we had such a fun time doing it. We went up two different summers and took all the kids. And our two-year-old, by 10 o'clock in the morning, looked like he'd been rolled in dirt and then rolled in honey. <laughs> no, the other way. 
rolled in honey and then rolled in dirt. Honestly, they was so dirty, but it was good, clean dirt. And it, we had so much fun up there with those kids for a couple of summers. And now our kids have gotten absolutely addicted to this place. For years, nobody went. And now every summer they go up there for just a right, weekend, right a long after weekend. reunion, our kids and their little kids go to, or we call it Oregondo, but it's, it's a place in Eastern Oregon and we found it kind of by chance and it's a, it's a forest. It's a natural forest. And I guess we better tell the rest of the story. Why would we go build a log cabin? Well, we had been to Lagoon one time and there's a place there called pioneer village this is an amusement park in utah for those of you who've never heard of lagoon there's a pioneer village and within that pioneer village are two or three authentic log cabins that, that they moved there from the pioneer sites that they were originally built on right at the time in in 1847 or 1848 when when the mormon pioneers settled the salt lake valley and one of those cabins, and it's still there today, if you're interested, is, is the cabin of Erastus Bingham, who was my great, great, great grandfather. And when we went to it with the kids and, and we knew that their family had had eight children similar to the size of our family. And, and our kids were really interested. This is our ancestor. And he lived with all those kids in this little 16 by 16 log cabin, just one room with a loft overhead where all the kids slept. And we became quite fascinated by it. It was a time when we were really trying to to do this family narrative that we talk so much about, although I don't know that we even called it that then, but get our kids acquainted with their ancestors, with their roots, with their heritage. And somehow this idea hit us. We were both working on a book, and so it didn't really matter where we were that summer. We could work on it anywhere. We had a pen and a piece of paper. And so we thought, let's go up to that land that we've seen in Oregon. We can buy a little piece of it. We can, we can go in way out of the way. It was, it was at least 30 miles from any city or town. Oh, farther than that, was an it? hour, an hour and 10 minutes. Well, it's, it's sort of between Walla Walla, Walla and Pendleton. Pendleton, Pendleton, Oregon, and Walla Walla, Washington. So we went up there for this summer and started off in a teepee. We had a wonderful friend, a country doctor from in Idaho um, named uh, Noel Wolf and his wife, Bonnie, and their kids came with us for the first couple of weeks. That was a godsend because... He knew so much well, about how to do certain things that I didn't know how yeah, to do. Yeah, a lot. And they brought a teepee also. So they brought the teepee. We, That's right. We uh, slept in the teepee. Well, we had tents for some of the kids around. But um, we had the most amazing adventure. My greatest advantage is that I'd never camped out you, as a child you were amazing, in my life. Honey. And you so I incredible. didn't know what I was getting into. Linda was cooking over a fire, a campfire. And later we got an old stove. Or did we have the stove at a the beginning? A cast iron stove. No, the second year we got it. A kitchen stove the second year when we went back. And you were cooking for initially 15 or 16 people. Oh, but we had so much fun. The girls and I, we built that fire in the stove in the mornings and we did all our cooking whatever you we were going to do we, even did, we did our baking we did muffins and stuff and then we had, had 
uh, Diane Thomas's book <laughs> oh, yeah. on, on uh, campfire dinners and so on. <laughs> and we had so much fun. We just did all kinds of crazy stuff. With do you think it was really, inspired. was it really that fun or do we just remember only the good parts? No, no I, I, it was really fun. I, we, it was hard know, work. Oh my gosh. Hauling those logs. Imagine me trying to put this log cabin up with Linda's help. Linda, you were pretty strong then. You could lift those logs. But then we had all these kids. Our oldest was were teenagers. They were pretty good. They, well, they were really young, the 13 up. and 12. Yeah, they were young teenagers. And we built this crazy log cabin. And, and we did it. We tried to do it the way the pioneers would have built it, except – we did have one concession, and that was we had a chainsaw. <laughs> I don't know how they did that, but we went to sleep just uh, skinning logs in our dreams, and um, we we just had so much fun. The kids were the most worried about the outhouse as soon as we got there. Richard built. Well, that's the first outhouse. thing we built. That's number and, one, the yeah. outhouse. But they they did create so many memories. But you know what our favorite part was? Getting into our topic today. Um, was reading around the campfire um, some wonderful books, The Secret Garden and Black Beauty and, you know, all the cl children's classics, not all, but several and, of them. And telling ancestor stories about that this is really the way these ancestors of ours lived. They lived in houses like we're building, and they, they build them the way we're building them. And... You know, I'll tell you, I'll say, I'll say one thing. After that summer was over, I had lost, this is the best shape I've ever been in. I had lost 20 pounds. And even though I ate like a horse and we would drink a gallon of water, I mean, this was, this was the first time we ever really understood how hard manual labor is every day, all day long, sunrise to sunset. We're, we're trying to put up these logs, we're skinning them, we're, drilling them we're putting rebar down throughout we're hoisting them up with a block and tackle we're we're building this log cabin it was a it was an eye-opener for well, all of us and the first time i really realized what my mother and grandmother and great-grandmothers did because my mother lived on a big farm and milked 40 cows she and her nine brothers and sisters well the babies i guess didn't milk the cows but anyway there was a a gaggle of them that milked 40 cows twice a day and built, they built fires in those old um, cast iron stoves to cook. And it was unbelievable. So anyway, how does that tie into what we're talking about today? Well, we have also been in touch this week, and we often do these topics on, on this radio show according to what we've been thinking about that week. And we've been talking to some people who want us to come and do a keynote at their homeschool convention which we've done in the past, and we, we actually love it. We really admire people who do homeschool. We, 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 we admire their tenacity. Speaking of tenacity, we admire their dedication. And most often, we admire their reasons for doing it. They want to have control over their children's education. And, and so we've been thinking a lot about homeschool, and we actually did homeschool for little periods of time. What do you remember about when we lived in New Hampshire and did our own homeschool? <laughs> I remember how glad I was going to be when we got back to the school system <laughs> and they could take care of it. But no, we did we did some really fun things, and you realize a lot happens. But also, it's totally a different time now than when we did that because the the 
we have access to so many fabulous programs, homeschool programs that really work. They have such good curriculums now. Well, we have to say that our kids have homeschooled different children at different times in different places according to their circumstances. And uh, it's worked so well. We have one daughter who lives in Boston who uh, had her daughter, who is brilliant, do homeschool one year. She's just not happy at school. And she said, I I don't even know what she was studying. She she just went off and did it herself. She just had no, all this classes. She got it done in the morning, in three yeah. hours in the morning, and then had some really quality time with the family in the afternoon. And got straight A's and passed with flying colors. Then we have another granddaughter who uh, was homeschooled in Hawaii and also in Washington State, which is a wonderful homeschool program. We want to kind of review what the various experience our kids have had homeschooling in, in the second half of the show today. But I did want to make, Linda, the, the connection. Why did we spend all that time talking about our log cabin in Oregon? And now we're shifting into homeschool. Well, our 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 philosophy for our own family, and we're not advocating this should be the case for everyone. There are some people who should homeschool. Frankly, there are some who shouldn't, you know, who really wouldn't not be very good at homeschool. But but our our solution or our answer for ourselves, we ended up sort of calling semi homeschool, or or we want to we want to try to teach the things in our home and in our family that our kids are not ever going to learn in school. And, of course, you know, going out and building a cabin and and understanding how the pioneers lived is not something that they would learn in school. And we did a lot of things in our home that were designed. We called it the other three R's. Instead of reading, writing, and arithmetic, we wanted to be sure they were getting taught responsibility, relationships, and right brain learning. In other words, the creative, intuitive side of the brain rather than the, the logical side that's at school. So what we're going to do after the break is talk a little more about the homeschool experience that some of our kids have had with their children and about how to create a sort of a semi-homeschool around your own dinner table where your kids are in a public or a private school, but you're teaching them things they're not learning in the schoolroom. So we are going to share some of those fun experiences, uh, games and Interesting things that we did at home that really helped to educate our children. In the next half, we hope that you'll hang on. We're going to stop for this brief break, and we'll be right back. Welcome back to Ayers on the Road. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. And we're back on Ayers on the Road talking today about homeschooling and about sort of homeschooling, not going all the way, which is the way it works best for some people. Well, the bottom line is every kid needs some homeschool. Well, the bottom line is every home is a school. I mean, whether we like it or not, they're learning a lot when they're with us. And um, it's just kind of not too hard to go, not whole hog, but to really give some educational things at home. so let's do let's do this in two in two parts this second half of the show today. For a minute, for a few minutes here, let's talk about our own kids and the experiences they've had with full-on homeschooling. And then let's talk about some things you might want to do in your home even if you are sending your kids off to school every day like most families do. 
So, Linda, you mentioned uh, Sadie, who homeschooled one of her daughters in Boston. But what you didn't say yet is she then moved to California, lived on a farm, which is where they are now, and homeschools all four of her kids in what they call the Shumway Farm School. I think it's even more clever than that. But I remember, yeah. <laughs> um, it really is has been an amazing experience for them. I mean, the nearest school is 30 miles away, and they've got a lot of different school ages. They see they have a six, at eight, ten, thirteen. 12, 12, 12, 6, 8, 10, 12. And so they have had a, an amazing experience. Wow. I mean, the hard part is we keep coming. I mean, we meaning our family members and friends because they want to see how she's doing this. And uh, it really is great. I mean, whoever comes, she just puts them to work. Okay, today you're going to teach a lesson on poetry because Richard was working on a poetry book. I got to teach a a lesson on Wil, uh, Wilberforce, who was an amazing character in American history. I had just finished reading a book about it. And, and you it, taught one on music. And too, then I, I taught think. one on music. And it was so fun to see what they were doing. But the point is, she's got a wonderful online curriculum, and she's going through it, and the kids are learning like gangbusters. And when she has a guest, she works them into the faculty. The other one I think of when I think of homeschooling today is our Bulgarian daughter, Eva. We, we semi-adopted. We're into a lot of semis today. This was a gal who um, our daughter met on her mission in Bulgaria. She was a 16-year-old, and she desperately wanted to come to the U.S., and so we sponsored her and brought her here, and she's become like a, a daughter to us, and she now lives in Newburyport, Massachusetts, and boy, is she a homeschooler. Oh, my goodness. Their oldest son uh, did the AP chemistry, I think it was, chemistry chemistry at age 12. At age 12 and got a five. There were were five high school students that took it with him, and not all of them passed, and he certainly did the best of any of them. Honestly, they have got this down. They have just created amazing children who know everything about everything and they've just done it by they follow their own passions they, yeah they just, design their what own are you interested in and then they just go for it uh we've got one that can do origami like you cannot imagine one's composing his own composing in their own music and um their their championship uh, soccer players or is it rugby well no soccer I think it's soccer they're, they're, yeah their middle boy is you know he's He's made soccer his major, <laughs> and all the other subjects are his minors. Wow. I mean, they've won the I, the championship. Their dad was on the national championship. That was rugby, rugby though. Yeah, team. Yeah. But, and one year after year after year. So, you know, the, it's just pretty amazing. Um, however, they only have three children. Now, let me just say, right, I could right, not right. have done that with all our nine children. Well, and there are people who do. There are big families I know. Well, there who are. still do True. homeschool. It's beyond what I could do. So at the bottom line, what is what I said in the first half of the show, we really have tremendous admiration for people who are full-time, and I mean basically full-time homeschoolers, because it, it takes most of your time when you do it. Uh, but we also know that for the majority of families, that is probably not an option. But what is an option is to be very deliberate and analytical about it as parents and start start with this. Start with 
with this assumption or with this premise. The education of your children is not the responsibility of the state or the public school system. It is your responsibility. The buck stops with you. Now, do you send your kids to school and take advantage of public education or do you send them to a private school and, and have them learn all they can? Of course you do. But we find that the best parents still say, but, but, but it comes down to me. My kid's education is my stewardship. And if you start with that premise, then the natural follow-on to that is I will send them to this school and I will be grateful for the things they learn at the school. But I will also be aware of the important things they're not learning at school and well, two things. Num number one, I'll help them with their school, follow up on their school, be a resource to them, be involved in their education at their school. But two, I will try to teach things in the home that they're not learning in the school. And what do you think the, the main things usually are? Well, um, the, three, the other three, three R's. R's. Um, we had so much fun teaching kids how to think and think on their feet. For example, uh, at dinner, uh, and usually we did this at dinner time. By the way, think of this as the other three R's, responsibility, relationships, and right brain learning. And you're, Linda, you're starting on right brain learning. The theory being that schools teach them, they do a good job with their left brain in most cases. But the intuitive, creative, right brain, most schools actually work against that because it's convergent learning. They're trying to get all the kids to come up with one answer, whereas what we also need to teach our kids is how to come up with a different answer for each kid using their own creativity and their own their own thinking process. Well, um, there are schools that do a fabulous job with that. That's true. They That's do true. much better than they used to, and they accommodate kids with special learning needs so much better. We had two children with learning issues, one especially, that was so difficult. And they, you know, they did the best they could, but they didn't understand what was going on. And now they have so many resources, but, and especially charter schools and private schools who really have the flexibility to, to personalize things. But anyway, we did like to, um, we, well, we, I'll start with the, well, on the right brain the learning, you, game. You, yeah. know, you, you, we, we had games we would play at the dinner table, and friends helped us develop some of these. We don't want to take full credit for it, but we wanted to make the dinner table the supplemental education. So we had certain games we played that worked on their right brain. Right, and um, for example, we would just say, okay, so today we're going to talk about the similar game. So what is similar about... A telephone and a turtle. Any two dissimilar Dis things you could think you know, of. Anything. And uh, <clears throat> the older kids are like, no, there's nothing, no. And then, of course, the seven-year-old will be like, well, they both start with T. Oh, true. And then the others who are in school will be like, oh, is that the answer? That's the answer, right? That's the <laughs> answer, right? And we would say, no, no, there, there's hundreds of answers. Come on. What's similar about a telephone and a turtle? They both have curved services. And this was in the old days when the phone, you know, yeah. <laughs> was a different than it looks now. Although they, they do have curved surfaces. They both have hard shells. And they both have hard shells, and they go through, and then this little six-year-old. They both don't eat at McDonald's. They, yeah, that was a, that was a good one. And then um, our little six-year-old, who kind of an introvert and very quiet, he piped up at the end and said, well, they would both cease to function if a truck ran over them. 
And <laughs> that's a great answer. So you get so. the point. Trying to get kids to think out of the box. We would also do the question game where, where we'd give a random subject, something fairly obscure, doorknobs, hinges, ceiling fans, whatever. Thumbs. What's the best question you can ask about that? Because, again, schools are teaching them to find the answer. We want to teach them to ask the right questions. And it was amazing. But basically, generally speaking, wouldn't you say, Linda, the younger the kids are, the better they are at right brain thinking. You know, the older ones are sort of into this convergent learning mode. And they're like, well, is that the answer? Well, is that a trick question? Well, you know, they're not into this. Hey, I can think outside the box. So that was the right brain learning. Then we really tried to work on responsibility a lot, didn't we? Because we felt like that was the key to so many things in life. That was that was the reason for going to Oregon, trying to build that log cabin. That was the reason for trying to have discussions at the dinner table. Who are we responsible to? What does it mean to be responsible? What's an example of responsible behavior in this situation or in this case study or whatever? Well, you left out the speeches, honey. We can't oh, yeah, forget that, that. Yeah, well, that was part of it. Uh, that was part of both of these, I think, because uh, we would say, okay, tonight we're doing speeches. And uh, we would ask them to do one-minute speech. We'd time them. One-minute speech, and we'd carefully ask them, start with something that gets people's attention. Then tell them what you know about that, and then conclude with some kind of fireworks or some kind of thing that pulls it all together. Well, that's a, it's a tough thing for kids, but you know what? They did it. They were amazing. Well, they got so much better on it. If you try that with your kids the first time, they'll just hand them off. They won't know what to say. But after they get into it, you give them a topic, and it can be anything. It can be a round rock. It can be um, a cloud. It can be anything you think of. Can they stand up and speak on that for a minute with drama and with some clarity and and you know can they give a good speech your eye um anything that is has some substance to it and it really or or not or not but, <laughs> but actually what we ended up with is a lot of kids who can do public speaking really pretty well well and who can, can think fast who yeah. can think on their feet again these are things that they're not going to learn in school how can you you know, I guess our challenge would be sit down and make a list of the things you want your children to learn and then divide it into two halves. The things the schools are doing a pretty good job with and the things that the schools are not even teaching and and see if you can figure out ways to add those things that are missing. And again, all within the the sort of conceptual umbrella of I'm the steward of my children's education. And whether I homeschool them or send them to a private school or send them to a public school or send them to a charter school, whatever I do, whatever I choose, the buck stops with me. And I need to monitor what they're learning as the parent. And I need to supplement it with the things that they should be learning that they're not learning in school. We haven't touched on relationships, but remember how much time we used to spend with social situations, how to deal with kids who are sitting alone in the lunchroom and maybe you could go sit by them how to how to deal with kids who are trying to get you to do something you know is wrong what do you say uh, let's role play that all these kind of things but they 
They should stem from what you feel you want your children to learn. Yeah, absolutely. We had good old days where we had a little string quartet that we played in the morning. It was pretty um, sad, actually. <laughs> but we learned to do some hymns together. That was good. And none of them are excellent musicians, but it's, it's a great experience, a great learning experience for all of us. So we hope that you will consider educating your kids a little bit more at home, even if you're not going to homeschool completely. Um, there are some great trade-offs that you can use to, in order to really educate your children while you have them because it just lasts a minute. So it's fun to be with you, and we'll see you next time on Ayers on the Road. Thanks for being with us. <laughs>